Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send him! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to an edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. My name is Graham, and joining me today, rumor has it he's, uh, he's leading up a team of his own. It's, uh, it's Luke Holmes. Hey, my team will be great. It's going to be the number one team, Graham. How are we doing? Uh... Shaky, if that intro was anything to go by. You're on the rocks, aren't you? Been, uh, uh, been, to, been to Mexico, had a few tequilas, and you come back. There were several tequilas had. I was at a Christmas party the night before. Um, several tequilas were had, and yeah, we'll uh, leave, might leave it at that. <laughs> Uh, I'm 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 amongst the living though you know if there if there, the day of the dead was to be held uh, t- just gonna say today uh, I I would I would be somewhere in the middle I would say so uh, could be worse could be better mm, that's all right then as long as, as long as we've got enough oh I say that I was gonna say as long as we've got enough content to keep us going but we definitely have this we week. have a lot of content so. I would say that catching up to do. Yes, yeah, yeah. we had planned to do that catch up really this week, and because, uh, like, generally speaking, there's but there were some, you know, some items of note here and there, but nothing massively noteworthy to you know stop to you know to add in de- a week of. And no. uh, I'd said at the end of last podcast that there hadn't there hadn't been much going on. Well, that all changed. Uh, Tuesday was it? It started over the weekend with Williams. We'll get to that, but the real shit kicked off on. I think it was Tuesday. Uh, when Alfa Romeo announced that Vasseur was stepping down, and th- like like dominoes, this all began to fall. So what actually happened? So they announced that Vasseur was joining Ferrari. Uh, they then announced that uh, in tandem with Andreas Seidel making a shock departure. Well, maybe it should not be not shock, but in well, in many ways it was uh, a shock departure from McLaren to be. Uh, Sauber's new CEO, CEO uh, McLaren then promoted Andreas Stella to be its team principal. So, a lot to unpack. Let's start with Vassour first uh, before we go on to uh, anything else. So let's, let's just read some of the things that were said. Uh, this is um, from racefans.net with Will Wood. Uh, so this is what Vassour said. As someone who has had a, a lifelong passion for motorsports, Ferrari has always represented the very pinnacle of the racing world to me. I look forward to working with the talented and trained passion team in Maranel to honour the history and heritage of the Scuderia and deliver for our tifosi around the world. And what, this is what Ferrari CEO um, Benedotto Vigna uh, said about Vassour. He said he successfully combined his technical strengths as a trained engineer with a consistent ability to bring out the best in his drivers and the team. His approach and his leadership are what we need to push Ferrari onward, or push Ferrari forward with renewed energy. Uh, uh, he also said, uh, "Yeah, so basically, kind of, yeah, just kind of, you know, this is the man we need to kind of bring ourselves forward." Uh, there was an interesting, uh, there was an interesting, I think, line somewhere about. Uh, I think it was actually it was on motorsport.com. Yes, so there's a there's a piece on motorsport.com from Luke Smith, uh, not the esports Luke Smith, <laughs> yeah. uh, but from Luke Smith on motorsport.com, talking about why Vassour is the right man to lead Ferrari's revival. I thought there was a uh, there, he breaks it down to into uh, into into uh, paragraphs here, but I thought there was a one a very good one that is uh, a mindset that Ferrari needs, and. Yes. Uh, 
I thought Vasur, this is kind of what you're going to be getting with Vasur. He said, uh, this is what Vasur said. Uh, he said, it's to, it's a, my job at the end of the day is not to pay so much attention to the positive points. It's to try to understand where we fucked up and try to improve. Which I think probably tells that you... It was the wrong moment there to take a drink of coffee. That was, that was a poor moment. Uh, I, think, which I, I think it tells you everything you need to know about you know, the kind of attitude that Vissor is going to bring to the table. And he's going to be a quite, he's going to be quite a shrewd operator, operator, I think, as well. Because how many times... Like, remember even during back during the season, we were talking about the cost cap. And he, he was one of the ones that said, just turn the wind tunnel off. Yeah. You know? He's just straight, isn't he? I love these straight-talking characters. They are so, so brutal, but so, so good. Mm-hmm. And it's literally... I'm probably skipping ahead a bit here, but it's it's definitely the kind of thing that Ferrari needed to do. Because, like, the last, what, you had... Um, obviously, Binotto. Um, all, all the last few... I think it's the last 14 principles, right the way back to John Todd, have all been in-house Ferrari hires. This is the first... Yeah out-of-house Ferrari hire since John Todd. Yeah, which is the first in-house, or sorry, first out-of-house hire this century. Yeah, it's mental. And I really think this new perspective on things, rather than this someone that's been brought up in the Ferrari family, who's sort of like already like toned down a bit and has got, has sort of like been moulded into Ferrari already, is going to do them a world of good. Mm-hmm. It's easy, easy to forget as well that he actually cancelled the engine plan for Honda for Sauber. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, when he arrived in 2017. Mental. Yeah, weird to think about. But yeah, and then he was at Renault before that, wasn't he? So. He was at Renault before that, and he just he he just didn't really get on with Cyril the people. <clears throat> it was just How one dare. Those, I don't like him anymore. Get out of my team. <laughs> it was just one of those things. Uh, Charlie Leclerc obviously was speaking at the FIA Prize Gala, and he spoke warmly of. Uh, Vissor, because it's all before Eben, uh, because it would have been actually actually after uh, Benotto would have actually been stepped would have stepped down. But uh, he said, "I've been working with Fred already from the junior categories, where he has believed in me, and that we always had a good relationship. Apart from that, obviously, this shouldn't influence any of the, any of the decisions. He has always been very straightforward, very honest, and that is something I like from Fred." Yeah. So I th- I think them too, science and and Charles are going to benefit from him massively. None of this. Like petty, kind of team favoritism type shit. Fred will just stay. He'll work more towards the team goal rather than one particular one, unless it's needed at the time mm. when it's close to the end of the season. It make look, and you you mentioned this during the year. It makes sense for Vassar to make the step. A not only because it's Ferrari, but B, Audi were always going to be coming into the fold here at Sauber, and you know they were likely always going to want to employ their own staff and you know have their own people in it rather than pick up the ones that were there and they, you know, obviously will keep some but obviously when you're in a position as prominent as a team principal like Vassour you know generally speaking you know. you, you're largely thinking that you know I, I, I'm probably going to be outsourced here at some point down the road so at least the, the, I would I would have assumed that the year before Audi came in the team principal that they were going to be bringing in themselves would have been in for 2025 regardless of who was in charge at the time, they would have been outed straight away, just so that new team principal can get his head around everything in a year. Well, a year in advance, I want to say, get that jump. And yeah, 
It looks like they've moved for that already. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when look at the Ferrari opportunity comes up, you've got to, got to take it. And look, Fasur, I think, is... I, 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 mean, I know we've spoken about it already, but I'm really looking forward to seeing him in this role. I think he's... I think he'd be great. I really do. He, look, he looked the part. I, did, I sent you a picture of him. In the, he, he was already in his Ferrari suit. It, it, looked, it just looked like... He gave me John Todd vibes. It really did. Yeah. Just the way he just looked so happy with himself. It, I just... It's, it's what we need and I, honestly I hope it works out for the best and he doesn't get sacked after a year he needs time this team principal needs time to sort of swing the boat back around a bit I know it's not, it wasn't bad last year but it wasn't what it could have been yeah. there was a lot of potential there and I think that's what Wigner and um, the, other man, the other man I can't remember his name <laughs> yeah they've uh, sort of decided that Bonotto's time is up it's it's sad, but I don't know. I've said it time and time again. He probably should have got next year at least, and then probably made the change. But now is the time, I guess. Yeah, um, look, it's, it's it changed everything for everyone. By it, the looks of it. it really did. But it comes back to just lastly on the point. Like, it comes back to what you were saying before. Like or I think what we were saying before is like if you if you know he's not going to be your man going forward, why waste time? You know, extending yeah, that relationship. There's no point. They, they, like I said last week, they've got to keep Charles happy as well. If if the car is not there next year. And Charles's contract is up soon as well. They they can't afford to lose him. Science is um, quite happy. I think he'll, he's he's tied down for at least till the end of twenty four. If I'm yeah, not wrong, I think so. So they've got to keep Charles up. He's going to sign a year extension anyway, and then go from there because there's going to be a lot of players moving around when Lewis retires. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever that is, that's probably the next. That's probably the next giant. I, other than maybe Perez as. Uh... Ash Red Bull, depending on what happens there, that the next giant domino at the top is going to be that uh, either the uh, what happens at Science potentially, or yeah, like I say, the Hamilton one. Um, it was interesting talking like very just very uh, very quickly on Bonotto. Just uh, I thought it was interesting. Like the remember Toto Wolf had an interview. I think it was with uh, F One Beyond the Grid with uh, to, uh, Tom Clarkson, and yeah. uh, he t- kind of talked about how there was too much broken porcelain between us over the years for this to be possible, kind of, you know, this to them to be kind of, you know, friends or whatever. Um, which I thought was interesting. Just, he said, when you say broken porcelain, obviously mm. it's, you know, when you you break it down, obviously it's it's all because of the Ferrari uh, para unit debacle in mm. 2019. Uh, and which, which seemed to have, you know, it, it seemed, mm. did seem to generate a, a fairly large ripple effect through Mercedes as they tried to push to catch up yeah um i am reading a piece on the race.net uh the race.com by scott mitchell malm and he he said well he wrote right here especially as wolf will go on to talk about the impact of fry's actions had on mercedes and its high performance powertrains division pushing the organization close to burnout as it tried to combat what it saw as underhand tactics there are even hints that this is what ultimately drove mercedes hpp guru andy cowell out the door which that would be interesting if it actually was the case. Yeah. Obviously, we'll never know. But if that's what they're saying, let it, let him do it. Just the pure amount of work and stress, trying to work out what they've done and all the little underhand tactics. It's, uh, oh, I'd, I'd love to know all the stuff that goes on behind <laughs> the scenes. I really would. I know. I'd, I'd be such. If you if you gave me a Netflix series that just went behind the scenes of every team all, all day, every day, I would love it, honestly. I would never not watch it. <laughs> uh, Andy Cowell does not get enough either appreciation or uh, recognition. He doesn't for who he, really he is. Uh, Andy Cowell was the head of the high, Mercedes high, uh, high performance powertrains division, 
their engine uh, from yeah. you know so he had a ma- to say he had a massive role in developing the v6 mercedes engine is an understatement yeah he, he's the man that got it right first yeah for this hybrid era basically and basically paved the way for the seven years of success mercedes had with it yeah they they got that power unit right and had at least a two-year jump on everybody else. At least a, a two-year, I would say. More. I would say much larger than that. It could be. It might might have been straight to four years. There wasn't really until what 2017 where the Ferrari sort of started to come back a little bit. A little, actual, but even still, they were like around the high. It's still gone. You know, like Mons and the such. It really was till 2019 until yeah we saw. It, Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah. I'm gonna say maybe 18. Actually, it was close. Yeah, the, the four years that yeah four that, yeah what, the work he put in cemented their four championships in a row right there and then. Yeah, like, Total Wolf is not as big as he is without Andy Cowell. Yeah. You know, that operation isn't what it is without him. Yeah, you were not, we were not talking about a seven-time Lewis Hamilton world champion here. Mm. Not not a chance. So that's that's why that's significant, if that was true, if that that whole thing, that Ferrari thing pushed him out the door. but yeah, that, I just wanted to mention that on Benotta because I thought that was an interesting comment that Wolf made. Mm. Uh, any final thoughts on Fred Vasseur and Ferrari before we move on to the other parts of this uh, of this dealing? Bring so it speak. home, Fred. Bring it home. I'm excited. I can't say that anymore because the fucking world cold. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I really am. I think it's a great appointment. We 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 liked we liked Vasseur's work at Alfa Romeo. Uh, we read lots of his interesting comments throughout the year. Now that he has a, now that he's at Ferrari, that those cars will have an extra, extra, His extra reach. Level. He has just got the plus one thousand respect level on the, on a game, hasn't he? He's yeah. Sort of gone like from the minnow all to the top of the tree. He has got so much power now and so much swing. Oh, he's now got what Haas and Alfa Romeo and all the Ferraris. He's got three seats behind him now. If he wants to do anything, he's he's got he's got some power and weight behind him. Do we think, uh, obviously, like, he leaves behind, obviously, Bottas and Joe, which are both his choices. But Joe, you kind of, you could, I think you could put, like, you know, whoever it was who's at, at the team could, you know, he could be, he'd be probably there. Mm. Do we think he does what he can to get Porsche in a drive mm. next year? No. For 24? No. No. Mm. Unless Porsche wins the title, no. Mm. Okay. He, he will be reserved, I reckon, but... I don't. I don't think he'll be associated with any of the teams that are there that Ferrari are associated with. Okay. Got. Yeah, but like, like you say, unless it's like a dominant F2 tile, but based off what I saw this year, yeah, that didn't that's come this happening, year. and that and that grid is getting a lot more heated and a lot more spicy. So, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, let's move on then to McLaren's side of things. Um, uh, sorry, no, some of Andreas Seidel's side of things, I guess. Yeah. Uh, this was the shocker one, really, that came out of the blue. Uh, but not to McLaren, though. Uh, Andreas Seidel departed McLaren uh, to head up Sauber as new CEO. Uh, to do, Seidel said, uh, the team has a rich history in F1 and its organization. I really welcome my time working and living in Hinwill for four years. I can't wait to join the team. Hinwell is obviously, of course, where the uh, cyber operations based. Uh, I can't wait Beautiful to place. Mm, I can't wait to join the team and work with the colleagues at Cyber Group and the ambitious goals we have set together. Uh, Audi then, obviously, because they're not officially involved in in that way yet, but they did welcome their future partner's choice. 
That's what uh, Audi technical Chief Technical Officer Oliver Hoffman said. Andreas Seidel has extensive experience in leadership roles across motorsport programs on both the manufacturer and Formula One team side. His track record in motorsport is impressive. Uh, so the whole this whole situation was brought about. They actually Zach Brown did a lot of talking this week and or mm, last week rather. A lot of nice talking as well. A Some, lot of, yeah, absolutely. Lot of decent background stuff that you don't really realise. Yeah, uh, and obviously he did make talk about Daniel Ricciardo in that sense as well, and the the pain he actually had uh, talking about Ricciardo. Um, he said he Ricciardo actually brought had brought uh, his Zach, Zach Brown's favourite motorsport moment in thirty years. Yeah, that's insane. Which is pretty telling. Which is probably why it hurts him even more to uh, to have to do what he did. But uh, so Seidel goes to Audi. You, it's unclear whether he'll just end up entering the team principal role himself, or whether he will appoint someone to do that. Uh yeah, it's not really clarified that yet, has it? There's nothing that's come out and said right. He's doing this for definite, and he's also like he's doing what basically what Toto Wolff does, who is CEO and team principal mm. of, of Mercedes. So. I would expect him to, but not this year. I might, I might see him. I'm, I'm sort of picturing him doing something else this year, sort of working in the background, but being trackside type thing. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a lot. It's, it's, it's a lot of big changes for that team coming up. Mm. Hell of a lot. Nothing that would taken McLaren by surprise, though, because Zach Brown was saying that Seidel informed him during the 2022 season of his intention to leave McLaren at the end of his current contract at the end of 25 to take up the Sauber Group CEO for its Audi transformation. I'm reading this from, uh, I'm reading some of this from uh, therace.com and Ed Straw. Uh, so, but between, you know, between Benotto's departure as team principal of Vissora, leaving Alfa Romeo, that all accelerated the process. And Zach Brown wanted to make sure that Andrea Stella was okay to step into that role now before agreeing to letting Seidel go. So this is what Brown had to say. Andreas, who did an excellent job here at McLaren for the last handful of seasons, was in a very transparent manner informed me during the season that he was going to go somewhere else when his contract was up at the end of 2025. It's probably better... Uh, it, was probably, it was probably pretty clear where that destination would be, which was, which was quite understandable given his background. Uh, so yeah. at the time... So this, I'm still... This is... Uh, I'm reading... Uh, this is still Zach Brown. Uh, not me. <laughs> so at the time, we intended to continue for the foreseeable future because the relationship is very, very healthy and his work discipline is very strong. What we were going to do at that point was at the end of the season, let the world know that he would change, that that change would come at the end of the 25 season. And and after we intended to go to the public, uh, the first person I was going to call to see if they would if they would lead McLaren's, McLaren's Formula 1 team is Andrea, but not at that point, being sure whether that would be something he would consider. In the fast pace of the Formula 1 environment where it became clear that Fred was going to go to Ferrari, Finn Rousing is someone that I've known for a decade and get along with very well. And he gave me a call to see if there's any if there was a discussion to be had to potentially release Andreas early. My reaction was if Andrea would be happy to join as team principal, then uh, is Andrea... Sorry, it's, it's difficult. <laughs> Andreas and Andrea, it's... it's uh... I'll just call it Stella. Yeah, my reaction was if Stella would be happy to join his team principal, then I'd be very happy to make that change now, which I think puts everyone in their permanent homes for the foreseeable future. So I went by having a conversation with Stella uh, pre him, having any awareness that Andreas was going to move for the 26th season. And after some after some good conversations, and uh, Stella kindly ex- accepted the role, which then put us in a very comfortable position to move forward because uh, because Stella was always our number one choice to lead the team moving forward. So all that came together quite rapidly. So, 
there, that's the reason behind. So this Fissor thing obviously just accelerated everyone's timeline. McLaren it seems to have already their uh, next man, you know, lined up. Seidel knew where he was going. So this Bedotto thing, the sore thing, just accelerated the entire process by three years, essentially. Yeah, it it, may, it probably makes sense for everybody, doesn't it? It's just everybody wins, really. Well, except McLaren, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what to how to George uh, Stella yet because he he's head of he was head of trackside operations, I believe, at McLaren for the last few years, or like general manager type thing. He was like second in command, basically, mm-hmm. underneath Zach Brown, and then who was underneath him was Andreas Seidel and you could all you you see him on the Netflix documentary quite a bit on Drive to Survive and you do you do see him like in the team pictures quite a lot um so I, I, I he used to work at Ferrari as well I believe yeah so he was racing director at McLaren yeah and he had a bunch of roles at Ferrari I, I there, there was a piece I have uh I'd found he joined McLaren yeah. in 2017 so prior to his increasing leadership responsibilities at McLaren Stella was an experienced and respected F- engineer in the F1 paddock he had worked with Michael Schumacher Kimi Raikkonen and Fernando Alonso at Ferrari before joining McLaren in 2015 and his uh, first-hand knowledge of leadership styles the likes of Jean Todd and Stefano de Cali Stefano de Cali get in the bin <laughs> Well, he said we don't, we don't need an eleventh team. For, he said from Dimitri, uh, he was definitely a people person. Formula One is about engineering operations, but also, but is ultimately very much about people. So for Stefano, I understood some elements and qualities that need to be highly regarded as a team principal, and also some ways of interacting with people based on respect, listening, and just managing your ego. Yeah, uh, that's what Andrea Stella said. Okay, it's going to be very interesting to see how. He sort of transforms into that role. He's gonna. He's gone from someone that you just see in the background to someone's gonna be the face of that. Team. Yes. Well, on that, uh, Zach Brown has said that he'll be doing to kind of ease some of that. He's gonna be doing more media availability stuff next year to kind of take some of that off of Stella. Yeah, which makes sense. Makes sense. Zach Zach's there quite often anyway, unless it's like a major weekend at IndyCar. He sort of like rotates between the two. Mm-hmm. So doesn't surprise me. I do, I do like hearing Zach talk as well on the, on the weekends. Uh, so, other, so Stella was uh, before this was executive um, director racing, is what his uh, his, uh, his thing was. Uh, Fifteen years he spent with Ferrari before moving to McLaren in 2015. Uh, he is Alonso's uh, race engineer, of course. You have obviously heard, I'm sure, a bunch of his his messages to Alonso during that time. Uh, also worked in that role with Raikkonen, and uh, he was Michael Schumacher's performance engineer, which. Uh, <laughs> It's got a good, good, good characteristic of uh, good character of uh, people. On the yes, roof, interesting they? blend of drivers. But uh, being Schumacher's performance engineer and Schumacher doing what he did, I have to imagine it must have been decent enough. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it would hard I hope so. Anyway, yeah, we'll we'll, stick, we'll just talk more on Stella. Um, so at McLaren, his influence has grown since he first came to it for when he first came in to the point where under Seidel, he's one of the key department heads working with him and reporting to him. And to listen to the way he speaks in interviews, his value is clear. He has an obvious understanding not just of the detail, but also the wider picture of how the team operates and must evolve. The best technical personal uh, personnel exhibit uh, a clear command of their subject, and that's something that Stella exudes. Mm. There, there's some big decisions he's got to make this year, him and Zach Brown. Some big decisions. Because if that car goes terribly wrong like the last one did, mm-hmm. then they're in there. Then uh, a certain key is in trouble. <laughs> this, key <clears throat> may, this key may not be turning for much longer. Yes. 
because that that Lando won't be happy with a, a car that's sort of nowhere, and I'm sure McLaren won't be selling for fifth again. Not a chance. Yeah, obviously, look, their trend has been third, fourth, fifth. Uh, yeah, but they, they need to stop that downward trend. Mm. The the thing is also like for them, like it help is on the way. If you get me. Yeah, the, a lot of it is leading to 2024 from McLaren. You know, but and so a lot of yeah. decisions, a lot of those decisions have already been made for him for Stella. Uh, so they're, they're, and this the way this article ends, I think, wraps up very nicely for um, for this whole this like his whole entire appointment. Um, there'll be que- there'll be those who question the appointment of Stella, pointing to McLaren's failure to break out of the midfield alongside 2021 rival Ferrari and to be seduced by potential star value of a big name. But turning around an F1 team is not the work of a moment, and the timescale of looking to 2025 and beyond is one that has been talked about uh, talked about uh, every even since the early days of uh, Seidel's regime. To dismiss this as an excuse for short-term failure is incorrect, because this has always been the plan. McLaren needs to let this play out. The decisions taken are sound, the direction uh, chosen is logical, and the current results are of secondary importance. That said, it's important to note they aren't irrelevant, and one concern is that if uh, one concern is that McLaren did fall a little short of its realistic objectives, even though not catastrophically so. But the success of the project can only really be judged in 2025, or perhaps when even F1's next rule change kicks in for 26. Stella is the right choice for this, a different kind of team principal to Seidel, but one who can take the rudder and let the seemingly wise decisions made in the past three and a half years pay off. Mm. So. Yeah, I think that that last part is ve- is a very, I guess, I guess a, a indicating comment, I guess, or a, a leaning comment to Seidel is or Stella is more so taking the 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 reins, so to speak, of something that has already like you know has already has its stuff in place for the future, being Norris the Norris extension, the wind tunnel, the uh, other other improving infrastructures and Piastri. Everything Stella, Stella just needs to step into the role. He's not got to do the tough stuff like Vassour or, uh, you know, and less of uh, Seidel as well. Yeah, he's not the top, top G. He's the the next one in command, isn't he? So he's not going to have everything to decide, but he's, he will have an influence on it, I'm sure. It'd be interesting to see, like, you know, like Stella's going to get a few years here before he's actually going to be measured properly, I think, as well. That's the thing. Like, yeah, is this got tr- a couple of years to sort of tread water hasn't it yeah this this three years is uh is maybe a good thing but if it doesn't if it goes wrong it could also be a very bad thing but i guess in some yeah. ways maybe you find out sooner yeah that's the thing isn't it you've got to you've got to sort of like test the wars i guess mm. like i'm most confident in visora and seidel in their roles but i know what they're doing because they've done this before i've no idea what to make of stella at mclaren i i it's yeah. it, obviously it's the most underwhelming one of the three. Obviously, given that it's not a, well, it's Williams to come. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's not a, like it's not a sexy hire, so to speak. You know, like it's it's a it's a it's an in promotion, and you have to lure anyone. So you could see that as you know, uh, like you you look at that and think, oh, McLaren are probably the big. And I, I, th- I still think they are the biggest losers of this whole thing. They they are they are they really are because honestly i was expecting like a swap like a complete swap around i was like there's no smoke without fire why the hell would you leave williams off his own bat obviously there's more that's come out over the course of the week thank you to the race for that because there's been a lot of clarification on possibilities but Mm -hmm. honestly it was expecting him to end up at mclaren 
or something like that, or him to end up at Alfa Romeo as an interim type appointment until someone else came in later down the line. Yeah. But apparently not. Ah, uh, so... I don't know what to make of Stella. His, his background, he's got great background. Like, I don't... Again, like, I think the process is sound. And if they think he's team principal, you know, uh, Nate, uh, if he's team principal uh, kind of kettle of fish, then then go for it. I I guess... I mean, you you have... you Like, you know, I guess this is not too dissimilar to what we just... We literally just saw Ferrari mm. with Bonato. Yeah, it's literally you promoted an engineer who has no experience as team principal into the basically second in command. It, it didn't work for Ferrari. hasn't worked for the last, what, 12 years? 13, 14 years, somewhere. It's, it's, I don't see it working personally, but I'm probably wrong. Yeah, we'll see. Again, like, you know, a lot of the stuff Stella has already put, like, you know, it's already been put in place for him. Yeah, yeah. The, the groundworks are there, whereas at Ferrari it was sort of a, a complete overhaul type job the the groundworks are there and he's just got to build them up and build the walls pretty much yeah I, essentially uh yeah is there much else to say on seidel his side of things uh obviously no, great stability for him mm. uh, like he gets he gets the audi gig uh, so it's not not he's not just set up now in for 23 but of course you know 26 and beyond so seidel's gonna be there unless something catastrophic happens uh, he's going to be there for a, at least five, six years. If not more. I, I'd say this is at least a 10-year project for him. Yeah, probably. Uh, were you surprised? I, I guess, were you surprised? I guess, look, the timing was I surprised everyone. Like, I, I don't think Seidel to Audi. I was, well. You were, you was losing your mind in my DMs. On my phone, I was stood there at work. Oh, well, that, yeah. Well, you, you caught the process of all this shit coming out, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it, we had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I had nothing. I was stood there at work, clueless to the world, because I couldn't go on my phone at the time. On, well, on Twitter anyway. I could see text and stuff, but I was I was just seeing it, and my phone just lit up four million messages <laughs> in the space of two seconds. What the fuck is going on? What A is lot this? of things were going on. Yeah, you were like, Nick, Luke, get on your phone now. My, my watch was going crazy. I was just like, what? <laughs> Someone died or something. It was mental. Close. <laughs> uh, mm. So yeah, it's like... so mental. My voice is going. <laughs> uh, look at yeah, you were you were the one out last night, then, huh? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, obviously, a lot has been made of Norris's contract at the moment, and it literally ends at the end of twenty five, I think, or close to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is uh, this is a big. I, I was going to allude to this actually. I I, I think um, Lando's next big move is Audi. Yeah, just purely because Andreas is there, the it will all line up. It will all line up. He might have to take a year of pain of being in the midfield, like Lewis did when he switched to Mercedes before the dominance came in. But it, it, the stars are there. It's the, going to line up. The pressure for McLaren to perform mm. for twenty four and twenty five, you know, the years where some of McLaren's infrastructure begins to translate on on the track. They just became even, just even more pressure because it's just an, like you know before you could argue like where would you, like where would Lando go like it's it's one of the top three teams. It's just got to be one of the top three teams at that at that moment. Yeah, and that's it. Like, and it's you know it's unlikely to be. Well, they're second drivers at all those teams, and they, and obviously Hamilton, not, uh, Mercedes. Um, you know they could obviously free up in that time, but this just adds another avenue to uh, 
to the whole thing with Audi. So and, and a very real one too. Yeah, it really does. Because there is oh, so much at stake, so so much at stake here. Yeah, that, that twenty-four is going to be so crucial for McLaren. Twenty-four and twenty-five; future. those are the big, big two. It's going to decide a lot of team personnel, and it's going to decide the driver lineup for the next what four or five years. So I think the driver lineup for sure. The, the driver lineup, without a doubt, but team personnel. Yeah, they've got to, they've got to get their act together. Could go the other way in some ways, like you know, you don't want to tire you tie your rudder down too, uh, you know, too long over the place, and it, uh, you know, the new regulations come and it's like, oh shit, this is this is, I'm in the wrong place. This engine shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, high and high log. <laughs> get, get some of that in there. McLaren high and die. Uh, McLaren high and die. Yeah, well, who knows? Actually, <laughs> they are. They, yeah, speaking of, they are trying to find a way in. Uh, they obviously promoted the people. There's there's, there's there's rumors that they're kind of trying to find a way in. Yeah, yeah, there's been a lot of talk of a lot of um, investors trying to get them in. Mm. I saw a piece this morning, actually, that Andretti's got one of the world's richest men on board to uh, fund, help fund the, the uh, bid to get a brand new team on the grid. So, mm. And he's going to front the 200 million sign-up fee. Oh, <laughs> yes. He's got 236 billion in the bank, right? <laughs> Could afford it. Two hundred thirty-six billion, <laughs> and there's me struggling to buy a kebab at night on a Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add on either Stella or Seidel uh, on that side of things from McLaren? From a uh, from a. I'd love to have a Stella with Stella. <laughs> I think Carlos signs one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm. No, no, that's it from me on them. Yeah, I'm not. Side will be great where he is. It, it, it definitely, it really, it, it really cushions the Vassour departure, which is why Alpha. Romeo, I wouldn't say Alpha Romeo are a loser in this, really. Uh, no, the, the only thing they need to clarify is his, is his role and who's filling that team principal role. Yeah, is it going to be him? Is it going to be is he bringing his own person? Whatever. Well, you know, he's, the choice is his. He's CEO now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stella, mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but it, it might not be a Stella. Might not be apparent until 25 and 26. Yeah. He's going to be cushioned a lot in 2023, I think. So. Yeah, I think McLaren will do some protecting of him for sure. Led to. by Zach Brown. Yeah. Um, who seems yeah, to have a lot of confidence in him. Like So, you know, it's not without reason. Uh, Zach Brown doesn't... They didn't even consider anybody else. No. <laughs> Just straight in at him. Like, there wasn't even any room... Oh, well, I know it came about pretty quickly for everyone, but when Zach spoke about it, he was like, I know the person I want straight away. Was just wasn't anybody else in his mind, so speaks volumes, I guess. Mm. We'll see how it goes. Uh, unrelated to all of this, though, the day before, uh, Williams announced that uh, team principal Jos Capito and technical director uh, Francois Xavier, better known as FX de Maison, are stepping away from their positions. They were very vague. Were Williams in the in the release, which I'll uh, which I'll read. Um, we would like to thank Jos for his hard work and dedication as we embark on a major transformation process to begin the journey of reviving Williams Racing. Uh, we were, we're grateful that Jos po- po- postponed his planned retirement to take on this challenge, and now he will pass the reins on for the next part of this staged process. We also want to thank, I'd like to thank FX for his contribution and wishing well as he moves on. So, uh, and Capito had to say, it's been a huge privilege to lead Williams Racing for the last two seasons and laid the foundations for the turnaround of this great team. Uh, yes. Now it was so unclear. Like, did they like? Did they resign? Did they? Were they sacked? Step down? Step aside? Have uh, 
pushed away. You know, you don't know, do you? Yeah, it's it's all. It was very vague. Uh, based on reporting that has kind of been coming out and the wording of it, based on some other aspects as well, it does seem that they this was a this was a this is Williams deciding that tenth place wasn't good enough after finishing eighth the year before. Uh, new regs, new opportunity. And they show that not much has changed in regards, and like they wanted to get someone else in. Uh, so I think it's part of that for sure. The other part that makes me, that makes me think this wasn't planned was that the two drivers for twenty three that are currently that were signed this year to their deals uh, are Alex Albon and Logan Sargent, and they were yeah. both Capito hires. They were both his. Um, and they both signed deals this year. Uh, Albon's obviously gets him out of his Red Bull thing, and Sargent obviously, uh, you know, gets him in as well. So like the the fact that the fact you know they were, I think they're very much planning for twenty twenty three and beyond. Yeah, yeah, it does look that way, doesn't it? Mm. And generally speaking, when a technical director also leaves, that's that's generally a the- sign that it's performance related as well. Yeah, but the thing is, they're being stupid because that eighth place was completely dumb last in twenty twenty one. It was all their points came from Belgium, which Belgium and Hungary. Hungary, I can sort of agree with. Right, fair enough. They probably would have got ninth in the constructors. Fair enough. That's fine. Oh yeah, they're being ass. Yeah, hundred percent being ass because there was an actual race where they were in the points on on merit. But the fact that they sort of alluded to the the resort of eighth place and yeah they they probably should have been fairer up I, I i do agree with them but why would you not give them the opportunity to turn it around but then again two years is short said, it is in an operate in, in a complete operation that's been a shit storm since what 2015 mm. it's been on the downfall ever since and it's very very rarely shown glimpses of of potential to grow there has been occasional things like obviously um, the whole Mr. Saturday shitstorm. <laughs> God, get in the bin. And then you've had the pay drivers left, right, and center. You know, Daddy Stroll mm-hmm. and uh, Go Probably got another one in Sergeant. Maybe not. We don't know. Um, it's 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 very hasty. I think if if that's the direction they've gone, because I I've, I've read certain things that um, they're looking to sell the team. This yes. is Doriton, by the way. This is um, that they're not willing to put any more money into the team and the the valuation, that they value the team a lot higher than what it's actually worth, which is quite interesting. Obviously, they know that the people are looking to get in, so the price is going to go up. Mm. Yeah, uh, it's it does seem to be a little bit cobbled together. Uh, the, the, uh, the other thing is, Capito, when he was speaking Abu Dhabi, didn't seem to give the suggestion that he was moving on either. Uh, so, so, um, no, no. It's, uh, it's very strange, isn't it? There's been no signs that have made me think, yeah, he's going. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you could see certain things with, like, side up in the future. You could see, right, probably going to link up there and then. But I, I, I was there, like, Capito's going to be there for at least till 2025, at least, unless things still continue to be bad. Mm-hmm. And then, then goes. But apparently not. Uh, I'll read a little bit here from uh, the race and Ed Straw. Uh, Expectations were always realistic with the focus on the long term with talk of 10-year plans and 2026 rule changes seen as the chance to make a more convincing step forward. 
Williams was always going to be towards the bottom of the championship, so nobody was anticipating miracles this year. But it's difficult to escape the conclusion that Demaison's uh, appointment as technical director didn't pay off as hoped. But in the immediate performance on track, uh, but sorry, but the immediate performance on track was only part of the equation. Williams has big plans with steady investment from Darlton Capital and significant investments in the facilities, as well as the intention to create a new factory on its existing site down the line. This was the big picture that Capito was always focused on, so it's hard to see him having taken this job initially with the intention of being out in two years, as has been suggested by Williams' claim he postponed his, his planned retirement to assume the role. Certainly, Capito didn't give the impression he was moving on when he talked about the Williams project in Abu Dhabi. In particular, uh, he pointed out that you don't see the impact of changes in two years with reference to Maison's effect and the cultural shift Capito himself was attempting to make. And this is what uh, he had to say. It's good to have somebody who's neutral and gets all the existing things that were right and what others, uh, what others bring in and then bring that together to one concept. That's a strength. But again, you don't see that in a year or two. It's a cultural change as well. The the whole there's a the video the race of the video on this and the Demaison thing and you know uh, he how he had very little F1 background. Uh, yeah, it was a lot. It was he did the Pikes Peak record, I believe it was with Volkswagen. Mm, all rallying. He was like. the man. Yeah, he was the man behind that. Obviously, Capito was from the uh, rally background as well. Mm. And I think they were hoping that he would bring in just a very different way of doing things. And uh, I don't know how much this endeared uh, the uh, Williams. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting appointment based on what we know. It, it, it seemed like a very different way of doing things. And like, and Kibito said, like, you know, for the sake of doing something different as well. Yeah. Which uh, sometimes is sometimes can work, but sometimes not. Uh, obviously, uh, with their car, obviously the performances weren't going to be great, but uh, they got their car wrong from the start, and that was reflective in their that was reflective in their side pod change at Sp- it was Spain. Mm. Uh, they brought in, they brought they they changed the concept of their car quickly, more following the Red Bull more so than the than the Mercedes, and their last update apparently came in Silverstone. Yeah, yeah, they they, they really didn't do much after that, did they? Apart no, from, they tried to take more paint off though. Was- yeah, that, that car was a lot, a lot blurrier at the start of the season. Yeah, compared to what it was at the end of the season, where it was basically <laughs> black with blue. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, carbon fiber with blue, shall I say? To uh, to lose to lose some weight there with the paint, but uh, so I, I'll, for all those reasons, I I think this was uh, they decided to relieve them of their duties. Uh, who they get in, it's unclear. Like we thought. No, just it, this this turned out to be just be completely unrelated to the other the you know the Ferrari McLaren Sauber yeah. slash everything everything it was just this just happened on its own. Whereas you know obviously like how many weeks do you think the other guys had their stuff like obviously Seidel announced his intention or told McLaren his intentions very early. Uh, you know they knew they're gonna McLaren knew they were going to get. Uh, McLaren knew they were going to get uh, or promote Stella. Uh, Ferrari knew at one stage you know relieve Benotto they were going to take Vassour and you know like it was like oh it's all probably been together for weeks whereas this seemed to happen very much out of the blue and you could tell I think that was reflective in some of the comments made yeah definitely it just it seems very rash I think and the fact that they're still looking and wasn't an immediate replacement lined up or ready to go Mm. it's uh it says a lot because I I wouldn't have announced that they've been relieved of their duties and then within the same day announced who the, who's replacing them to sort of quash all the rumours and stuff like that. But apparently not. And I'll be honest, I've seen nobody really linked with it. 
it's bad. Like it's like time. Like this is a bad time of the year to not have a team principal heading into a new year. It's a bad, bad time. You need some leadership. You need something. I know if people, there, the, the factories will be shut down and such for some of Christmas and the such. But uh, you, it's bad. You've got to get someone in there fairly soon. Like I know, but like Fasor starting on January 9th, I think. Even but he popped over to Maranel for the the photo as you mentioned and. Uh, so he like you know you've got someone in places you know you're you've a start date. Williams haven't even appointed someone yet, let alone you know it's it's not great. It's it's really not great. And I, I said this to you. I'd love to see the uh, Susie Wolf take over. That would be an interesting one. So obviously, team she was team principal at Formula E. Yeah, Venturi, I think. Yeah. So I'd love to see the Toto versus Susie dynamic. That would be excellent. It wouldn't work. It will never happen be because they're because it will never it'll never conflict. be allowed to happen because there'd be a massive conflict of interest in the in the paddock. Oh, it'd be hilarious though. Absolutely hilarious if William Sullivan became a front runner. That would be amazing. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, but literally, I can't think of anyone that's like obviously Cyril's been linked with. Well, Cyril's already hired. High under. Yeah, Cyril's gone to Hyundai, so that's one of the more recent team principles gone. Yeah. Bonotto's probably going to take a couple of years out, if anything, and I don't see him going that far by down the grid anyway. Isn't not it? with... Like not this, a chance he's going to get paid This Williams. Is, this is the, the thing, like, with. everyone's just traded places, essentially. Like, you know, it's... Yeah, there, there is, unless they promote someone within, which they basically did with Simon Roberts, and that didn't work. No. So I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't see where they're going to go, because there isn't... Someone that makes me think, yes, unless they decide. <laughs> Are you not uh, yeah. excited about maybe Eric Boulier coming back to F1? Oh, God, no. But maybe Jensen Button. I, I, I don't see that happening personally, but he is um, an advisor to the team. Maybe they go that way and go a different direction, but Button's not really got any experience with that. No, and I don't think he's at, like... The advisor role the is, time. yeah, his family is still he, very young. and Yeah, his, his kids are way too young for him to even consider it, I think, anywhere near now, anyway, unless they moved to the UK, mm. which I don't, I don't see happening. But maybe, he's probably one of the names that will probably be linked with it, I guess. But apart from that, the, the say, the, the two ex-Renault boys have been already linked and already sort of taken care for. Bonotto's gone. I just don't see anyone that really comes into it unless they take a Riva Bene from Juventus. Jeez. No, that he, well, I don't think they'll do that because no. there's too much controversy around him at the minute. As <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spending 200 million that he shouldn't have. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, he, so would, he would not boy. thrive under the cost cap, would he? No, no. <laughs> this, this would be like the perfect thing for Seb to sort of come in and take over. Oh, gosh, yeah. Or Latifi's like, well, I've not got to drive. I can do it. I know how the team works. Uh, team from from second driver to team principal. That would be hilarious. <laughs> it's bad though. Let's. There, it really is. There, there this is, is a bad is. place to be. And I, I I genuinely think it's been a quick decision. I think there are some like it probably there's probably some sort of shareholders meeting or something or something with people who didn't understand what was going on and Dorling Capital were not pleased with the progress made for it. and then they looked at the big picture like they looked at the one season things like this 2022 season new, new rules new, new regs etc and we're 10th again forgetting the reasons why they're there and the fact that you know there's, they're just behind an infrastructure stuff as well uh, and we're like right well you know ouch, ouch, out they go and it wouldn't surprise you if something was something like that because otherwise, like two years is not as nothing really for, 
like you'll start to see changes that like you start to see the effects of that after like in year three and beyond and that kind of thing yeah Ugh. not great for Williams I'm yeah mm. maybe by this time next week we'll know if they, if they have someone but uh, oh, God, I don't know like what do you do do you rush and get someone before Christmas or you need to have someone there for ready for the new year you do I really think you do this, this is the crunch time you can't be going into February where the, this a team that's already announced that they're a blooming when the the release date for their car. Yeah, and you you don't have a have a damn thing even sorted out yet. Ugh, not good, not good. Uh, so yeah, that just that was just independent of all that, of that other stuff. So that was our team principal merry-go-round for the uh, a very yeah. surprising team principal merry-go-round that has seen now Upmar Safnar is the fifth longest tenured team principal, and he joined less than a year ago. Yeah, that's uh, which is yeah. crazy. Um, teams are having fun though with uh, posting their team principles, though the ones that how are keeping theirs. <laughs> mm. uh, so yeah, yeah, not ugh. yeah, surprising. I didn't think Capito would be out this soon, but there you go. Uh, that was the team principal stuff. There's lots of other things that happened during the uh, weeks, I guess. Uh, F1 confirmed its sprint venues for 2023. We did kind of touch on this very slightly, but we'll be getting some at... Well, we're getting sprints at Azerbaijan, uh, back to the Red oh Bull God. Ring. Be nice. Belgium. Uh, Circuit of the Americas, I believe. Which I sort of alluded to. Uh, <laughs> I'm brilliant. <laughs> uh, Brazil, going back there as well. And what's the last one? Qatar. It is Qatar. You're right. Uh, yeah, Qatar. There's a, there's a piece actually on. I think it was on the race talking about Qatar and how much people actually end up enjoying the track. And and it was under the previous regs. It ended up being like a stop just from a stopgap track to they're they're staying there now. By the way, they're they're staying and not the going sale. to. An, the, the, yeah, that's good. It's it's a good track. So yeah, so I, it's very fun to watch them at a GP. So the race itself it. wasn't too bad. Like it's better than what. I expected. Very, very good. Uh, so, and that's with bad cars. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it should be interesting to see this year, or next year rather. But yeah, any, 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 any pop out to you there with the sprints? Not much to say about every them. Years, every sprint we've had, every year we've had sprint we've been into Brazil. So that's one, one, that was, we expected that to be fair. Austria proved to be good this year. I thought it was very it was probably the better of the two of the, of the uh, three sprints we had, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Which is very fun. So glad that's back. Uh, Baku, not sure. Baku could shake. Yeah, see, the Baku could shake things up a little bit. Uh, the, the problem, the, the problem still with these is that no one wants to take a risk in the sprint because it it shits you so much for the for the race. So that's like that's this is this is the problem. When they, they need they need to go they need to go back to the drawing board and fix whatever they need to do to fix that to make sure that you know we get actual racing on the Saturday and not just how many places can we make can we make up at the start can we even get through and if not whole position because we don't want to risk an overtake when we can end up starting last if we bin it in from like P9 or something mm, that's the thing it uh, needs to be its own event mm-hmm. uh, I did like you did like you text me um, it's funny how you know we were not sure if we could get, even get a Belgian Grand Prix, and now we've got two races there next year. Yeah, it made me laugh when I saw it. I was like, okay, how's that work then? <laughs> really? It, the, the, the thing is, they've pleased a lot of different markets with this. There are yeah. so many different regions it's going to, to trying to get the exposure, which I think was the ultimate end game, really. It's, um, so you've got one, you've got two in Europe, one 
in the uh, in the South America, one yeah. in North America. Why not Australia? Lol. <laughs> one in Africa. That'll probably end up happening when we go to Carl Army, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's all setting itself up, isn't it, really? Sort of spreading it around to where we have a sprint event every single weekend. Ah, oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, other calendar stuff uh, was announced during the week, or not announced, but it was reported during the week that Saudi Arabia is going to open the 2024 season after another Melbourne extension. Uh, Abba Park is a third round for the next year's calendar, uh, but had agreed to open the following season. It relinquished that place after the promotions of the Bahrain and Saudi Arabian Grand Prix requested that the 2024 races do not coincide with the observation of Ramadan, which takes place between March 10th and April 9th that year. Yeah. So, um, so, but it does seem like those three races, Saudi, Australia, Bahrain, they're kind of shifting around a little bit in terms of, you know, opening the season. Mm, good. Uh, I do miss the Australian opener. I, I I know we kind of got away from that recently. I, I don't like the fact that I would have to get up at blooming four o'clock in the morning to watch the first race of the season. That annoys me. Uh, yeah, but it's also it was also like that for basically 17 years. It was, I know. It may be even longer. Like I, I think it's a, it's a staple. Like you have your end of season paddock in Abu Dhabi, and you have the beginning one in Melbourne, and it just feels right. You know, Mel- Melbourne being the first race feels right. I suppose I'm used to it being Bahrain, to be honest. Oh, this yeah, re- recency and that all that. Yeah, I, I like it at Bahrain. I really do. Uh, obviously, they're still they still allow, obviously announced the 2023 calendar, but they're still looking for another another race. Obviously, after the Chinese Grand Prix was called off, uh, the the race put out an article. Uh, Scott Mitchell Man put out like a ten options. Um, so like he mentions like Adelaide, for instance. Oh, um, to, to do, yeah, Adelaide. Yeah, not, not I wouldn't be sure. Uh, he mentioned Sepang, but mentioned that uh, F1 doesn't. Uh, unfortunately, there still doesn't seem to be much appetite from circuit bosses to bring the F1 to bring to bring F1 back. At least in the short term, largely thanks to the economic impact of the pandemic. So, Sepang then from Malaysia seems unlikely. Uh, he mentioned Istanbul, uh, which uh, obviously returned for the two COVID hit seasons. It was very interesting to strike a long term deal with F1 be- uh, beyond the la- those last races of 2021. However, while the circuit was once something of a modern classic, its years of minimal use have taken their toll and the infrastructure isn't really viewed as F1 level anymore. Uh, remains a good solution if F1 finds itself in the hole, could benefit from state fu- some state funding and is more realistic than some of the others we're suggesting here. And he suggested, like other suggestions, he said that he mentioned Seoul in Korea. No, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so like a like a street street circuit. We don't we don't need that. Uh, I don't need that. But like the thing, like if this was on another site, I would disregard. But like because it's Scott Mitchell Malm and the race, there's there's some credibility to it. And he yeah. says, F1 has a lot of interest in racing in Seoul. Um, not on the track. He, he very he specifically mentioned not on the, all caps, not on the track that hosts the Formula E season finale. Uh, and the South Korean capital is just as interested in welcoming the championship. A new race, even a street track, is not going to be ready by April 2023, maybe not even later in the year. So I like for like China 23 replacement isn't probably isn't possible but f1's trying to rebuild its presence in asia after the covid hit years and south korea is a great candidate for f1 to prioritize in uh prioritize in the east longer term so maybe you've no, you say that there's a there's a track in korea that's stood, stood there ready made but you know <laughs> so uh maybe down the road for uh korea and f1 you mentioned obviously hock and high of the nurburgring uh we all know the obvious one is going to be 
Yeah, uh, just but just on the Nurburgring, Scott Mitchell Lamb writes, the German market is particularly important, so a decline of its presence has been regrettable to F1. With Sebastian Vettel and Mick Schumacher leaving the grid at the same time, Germany's relevance has depleted further, even with Nico Hülkenberg returning. F1 isn't thrilled about that, so why not bring back the German Grand Prix? Yeah, I don't, I don't see that, man. Mm. Uh, Kyle Amy, obviously, as you mentioned, uh, obviously, we, we think the deal is going to be happening sometime early next year. I imagine yeah. it will be announced. Uh, uh, so F1 has wanted to add a race in South Africa for a few years now. It looks as though the deal could happen as early as next year. F1 CEO Dimitri even travelled to Kailami earlier this year with the hope a deal could be struck for the race to be held in April 2023. But negotiations dragged on without resolution and it's believed that promoters didn't convince F1 that the race could be guaranteed beyond just one year. So uh, it could work as a standalone, but not for... Uh, not for, uh, yeah, at least for now, anyway. It's not for a longer term thing. Uh, you mentioned India. Oh, jeez. Which the circuit has reigned in use, obviously. And even MotoGP uh, is heading there next year. Yeah. Amongst MotoGP's bizarre calendar for next year, I really don't understand that. <laughs> they, they've, put, they've put some debatable tracks in, onto that calendar, but that's mm. by the by. You just see the Formula E calendar, man. Whew. Rough. Uh, oh, and I'll, look, the obvious one here is also Paul Ricard. <laughs> no, you'd love that. Oh God, um, the, the, we we know where this is going. Yeah, the other option he says is just don't bother. Uh, you know, everyone's uh, blow a calendar um, as a divisive topic after all. The leading calendar that I haven't mentioned so far, which is the one that's likely to happen, is going to be uh, it's, it's going to be the Algarve. Yeah. <sighs> if they if they do bring one back, it seems that seems to be the the leading track at the moment, based on reporting. Yeah, it's, it's the obvious one, isn't it? it? It's done this time of year before. It would make sense, I guess. It's, when when was the Chinese Grand Prix round? It was like round four or five? Usually, yeah. It's been round three. I think yeah. 2017 is round two. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to say probably nice with the lineup with uh, Imola. No, Imola's later on, isn't it, this year? A was, little, no, yeah. Spain's later on. I, I don't know. <laughs> it'll be, it, it, it will link up anyway, so... It's probably the easiest solution, really, isn't it? It's it's up to date. We've been there before. The facilities are fantastic. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and look, I guess it deserves a fair shot with these these new cars. It, it does, but the the, ra- the race went more wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of races that aren't very good, uh, um, interesting. The uh, circuit of Catalonia intends to offer F one the option of bypassing the slow chicane. Looking, it's looking to homologate the. Uh, the track without the chicane at the end. The much maligned chicane, I would say, as well. Which, which we have alluded to for, well, since we started doing this podcast. We, I think we did an entire hour-long segment on this on this whole topic <laughs> before. I think it was last year we did it because the racing was pants. It was a bit better this year. I, I will give them credit in Spain. Yeah. It was, it was a, a lot more of a, an exciting race. But if you remove that chicane, and set them up so they've got a nice long run all the way down. It might make it a bit too easy, I think. It might make it just that little bit, because you've got that such a long run then, all the way down from that, basically that hairpin on the end of the back straight, that run up the hill, and then where Max did the move on the outside of, of Bottas, you've got that entire run then all the way down to the turn one to set yourself up. That's probably going to be a bit too much. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. 
I mean, a piece from Keith Collentine at racefans.net. Uh, he, he talked about like George Russell told race fans that removing the chicane would be an easy fix to a circuit that's pretty poor. Um, and Carlos Sainz has also said the circuit's better off without it. Uh, so I'm going to read. Uh, At present, the only version of the circuit to Catalonia which, the F- which has the FIA Grade 1 license necessary to hold F1 races includes the chicane. The FIA looked into the possibility of removing the chicane and the subject was discussed during the track inspection ahead of the 2021 Spanish Grand Prix. The track operators have confirmed to race fans they intend to ask the FIA to homologate two layouts of the Montmelo circuit. Mont- I think Montmelo is just the area that it's it's in. Yeah. Uh, one with with the chicane and one without it. So race promoters can select which version they prefer. So minor reinforcements of the existing safety elements at the current turns 13 and 16 will be made to ensure the final sector can be raced safely without the chicane. I don't see why it can't. Uh, it's not that bad. No, it's not that bad. Work has already begun on the extension to the gravel trap at Turn 1, which is expected to co- co- uh, be complete by the end of March. The total area of the runoff will increase from 5,200 square metres to 7,200. The total the, the total gravel trap area will rise from 3,100 square metres to 5,100 square metres. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, it talks about how some trees would need to be felled, that these would be replaced and new ones would be planted in other, within the circuit and the surrounding area. Uh, on the apex of Turn 1. <laughs> Could you imagine just some random trees with stock growth? Oh, that'd be great. Uh, I'm all for this though. Get rid of that chicane. It's been, it's been there for far too long. Get rid of it. Lap time uh, will come I, down dramatically, but that's fine. I, I don't think this will work for F1 person. I'd I say I think it would be too easy to overtake them. I still think you need something there, just not as severe, if you know what I mean. I think there needs to be something there, just not as slow. Make it a bit of a challenge, so you've got to set yourself up at least. But for the junior categories though, Mm. This would be brilliant. This would be absolutely brilliant because the F2 and F3 races are shite at Spain. They can I mean, be. shite. They can be, yeah. unless, unless you do what Drogovic did this year, they are pants. <laughs> Absolute pants. Because the straight just isn't long enough and the DRS effect is just nullified. It's, 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 oh, it's just so bad. So, yeah. so bad. Oh, and obviously in F3 there's no pit stops, so... Yeah, you're literally relying on overtakes. Mm-hmm. There is There is nothing. So... Is I kind of hope they do, but I kind of hope there's some more like medium sort of agreement that comes into place where it's to make it a quick chicane. That I think that would be the better solution. Make it like a Singapore sling or something like that. Just do something along them lines, and I think we'll have a happy medium. Yeah, uh, well, you know, my, well, yeah, I disagree with you. I'm, I just think it should be gone. <laughs> Nothing should be there. Yeah, it, 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 it's just my, it's just my worry. It's just going to be too easy, and the race is going to be boring because everyone could just overtake too easily because the DRS. Yeah, it. I don't know. I, I, I would need to see a year with it to sort of judge it. It might, it might be. I'm completely wrong, but mm. well, the yeah. other aspect of that is obviously you know the tires. What tires we get? <sighs> if it's just a, if it's just a boring one stop, then yeah, I think you could be right. Can, but... can we do a week? No. Tonight? Uh, at one week, and I, I, I hope we're doing this next week, that we don't talk about fucking Pirelli. No, not happening. My word. Um, yes, because this sort of lines up, yeah. Well, it, it does, but we'll get to that. Uh, so we do, that's, that's the track, that's all that track news, so to speak. We do have uh, some driver news as well. Uh, Alex Pelot is, is the McLaren reserve driver for 2023, so he's been confirmed big, for that. Big move there. Um, he impressed, I have to say. He did impress, especially in the US when he got the FP1 running there. Yeah, he really impressed me, actually. I really do like Alex Blow. Really do. 
this is what Andreas Seidel said at the time. Uh, no. uh, yeah, for, former McLaren team principal Andreas Seidel said uh, about Polo. He impressed us with his FP1 session in Austin and his driver development test this year. He has many notable motorsport achievements so far, particularly 2021 IndyCar Championship title. So he's, it's a brilliant to be able to, uh, ex- able to expand his role in the team. We look forward to working with him more closely. So, uh, yeah, good and, move uh, there. Are you going to do that from him when I... Whatever it is, yeah. Good one, good one from Hinwell, yeah. <laughs> to, to be honest, he would be a great pickup. A great pickup for Alfa Romeo, I think. Yeah. If, like, Juan Yudo doesn't quite cut in next year or Bottas is back to being Bottas. Um, yeah, well, this contract he, ends at the end of 24. Honestly, he would be the kind of drive you want there to sort of put in ready for um, Audi coming in but yeah. I've, I've seen some of the rumours that certain other drivers are going to basically already pretty much wrapped up for Audi but whatever yeah we'll see with Polo I think he's the more com- I think he's the more complete driver of like say Colton Hersha for example yeah I, him him and Pato for, for sure 100% mm-hmm. they're, they're the I'll be honest I don't know how those two weren't in, con- in the conversation for a Williams seat but whatever yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I honestly don't get it. Really don't get it. But apparently, a rookie that, yeah, whatever. Mm. More notable than up in that. yeah, more notable than that during the week though is that uh, Mick Schumacher joined Mercedes as reserve driver. Uh, Ferrari first confirming his exit in a very emotionally worded mm. post. I, I couldn't believe how much I was crying at the post. I couldn't believe it. It was very emotional. It. Let me uh, uh, let me grab. There must have been tears, buckets of tears when they wrote it. Yeah, I, I think I think there would have been uh, because the post said uh, Scuderia Ferrari and Mick Schumacher end their collaboration. <laughs> Full stop. Full stop. Um, Mercedes were a bit more happy about it, of course, but no real surprise here. This has been coming for a while. This is a great place for Schumacher to be, I think, just for, for many regards. A, it's a nice story, I guess. You know, people people like Mick Schumacher, so this is a nice story for them. Obviously, his, his I do his father. Uh, yeah, I know you do. You've got up and how many how many mini helmets now do you have of Mick Schumacher? Four, four. You just got one during the week as well. Yeah, and again another one. What next Sunday? Next, my. Well, oh, that's yes, that's right. I was like, well, next Sunday, but yes. yeah, next Sunday is Christmas. Uh, so yeah, so enjoy your enjoy what it says Ferrari uh, on the top of it or whatever or Ferrari Academy. Yeah, I was big, big sad. Uh, but look, he's I think he's landing the better spot to be fair with the Mercedes because I the one th- again I do not like I do not enjoy the work of Mercedes, but one thing they do they do right by their reserves and young well, mostly young drivers as well. Um, they look after them. They, they do. Really they gen- They more. They, they. I know there's been a few instances of a few getting to like Vera lines. Probably one you say got fell through the cracks and yeah, you could argue was, he I should be was... an F one. But yeah, um, they do try their best. They even try to heck. They they try to get Gutierrez in the car and Esteban Gutierrez in the car. I realised oh he hasn't got a super license. We tried. They did try. Um, you know, De Vries is essentially where he is because of that. Uh, Van Dorn is in a decent little spot as well. Ocon. Yeah, Ocon as well. Obviously, you have Russell in the car now as well. So they they do mostly do right by those drivers, and so Mick will be using this as a springboard. Uh, and if he impresses enough, like I mean, heck, I wonder if he impresses enough, and the Norse to Audi thing happens, or if he goes elsewhere, you know, not out of the line of impossibility, it could happen. They could decide uh, I, I Mick could go in there. I think he's at Mercedes for two years now, right? Personally, certainly twenty three. I, I would say he needs to be aiming for somewhere in 2025, unless it's like an opportunity of Williams pops up, hmm. really. 
because you've got so many Mercedes affiliates that he could quite easily slot into that would be ready and willing to take him on, I reckon. Well, well yeah, it depends what Aston Martin do with Stroll and that kind of thing. What do you mean? <laughs> I mean it means what Aston Martin do with Alonso. <laughs> Naturally. Nah. I, I think there will be a time that we need to have that discussion, but... What do you mean? Mind you, we've, we've done it. We've done it countless times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think, look, the, this this is a great for Schumacher to kind of rebuild his stock. Yes. Uh, which is why he needs to do. I think he was, yeah. And Mercedes, look, if he was a reserve driver somewhere else, I'd be like, eh. But at Mercedes, I like, I genuinely believe, like, yeah, we'll, we probably will see Mick Schumacher in F1 again. I think we will. Just, that's the kind of confidence I have in Mercedes from this point of view of things. Yeah. This is what they're good at. They're good at rebuilding the, the, stock. This is- it's a marriage of convenience, this, but it is a marriage of very good convenience. Right. Of course, Mercedes are losing their all their drivers, essentially. They're at, like, reserve and third drivers and that kind of thing. So, Yeah, it's just, honestly, uh, it couldn't be that he can drop straight into that car, pretty much. On Yeah, well, that's he, what Toto Wolff said. Yeah. Because he said, we also know with two years of experience in the racing in F1 under his belt, he'll be ready to step into the car at short notice to replace either Lewis or George should that need arise. Yeah, and he's already up to fitness. Yeah, this is done. Easy. So, yep, yeah, good good move there all round. Not not unexpected, of course, but a uh, good move all round there. So, yeah, good to see Schumacher at the Mercedes. I think that was the best. That, yeah, I think he's that's the best place he could have landed. It really could. At Ferrari, he would have just been, uh, what's it, um, stood there in a sound mood like Schwarzman is. Doing absolutely feck all. Yeah. Thanks, Ferrari. Keep Giva Shitsy on, on board, but. Oh, I, I, like, I just keep thinking back to 2020, man, and you know, Eilosh, Schumacher, Schwartzman, your Ferrari 3. I know Armstrong was in the mix as well, but technically, but, you know, and only one of those guys is racing next year in 2023. Which, yeah. is, which is Calum Eilat and who's building uh, whose well, stock no, te- is. Technically, that is incorrect. Well, yes, well, Armstrong has been released from the academy since. He has, but speaking of, I was going to mention it once you were done, has um, joined Ganassi, surprisingly. Yeah, what a move. Big, big move for him. What a move only for at the road, Only at the um, road and street courses, not doing the ovals, not yet, anyway. Uh, I think he spoke to Callum about how scary they are. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Took Latifi's potential seat to Ganassi, which sort of um, was rumoured earlier but on in the... Begs the question, why do they not consider Eilosh? Just get him out of that con- uh, Junkhouse uh, contract and just... You still yeah. don't have the flipping financial power to do it. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Ganassi why would you, why would you take Indigo, Armstrong? For fuck's sake. Ganassi owns fucking Indycar. Like, come on. Uh, like, I, unless the contract is that legally binding that he's literally stuck, but it seems a strange one that you wouldn't consider uh, Eilosh if you're taking Armstrong. Uh, weird. But... Yeah, yeah. That, that outfit comes, suddenly becomes a lot stronger. Hell of a lot stronger. Mm. Yeah, but what, what a landing spot for Armstrong, though. What a landing spot. He's, he is literally landed on his two feet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just, yeah, could be an understatement. Yeah. Yeah, what a also move. Also worth mentioning, um, Lawson has signed for food in Super Formula. That's confirmed as well. Mm. By the way, I, speaking of Schwartzman, I need to correct I keep getting this wrong. Uh, it's LMDH. Not LMPH, it's LMDH, I think, is the programme. Oh, God. Uh, for endurance hybrid, so... I I've, I saw like I keep I keep, I saw it during the week. I, like, I keep saying LMPH. It's LMDH, I believe. Sounds like you're being a, a Lewis fanboy. I know, honest. I know. <laughs> uh, 
Yo, you. Um, but yeah, like yeah, I lost the only one really racing in twenty three from like Schwartzman and Schumacher. It's bizarre, but there you go. Uh, elsewhere, elsewhere, Honda Racing Corporation registers its interest to enter F one as a power unit manufacturer in twenty twenty six. This does not mean they're joining. It just means they're, as it says, registering their interest. So they've got the option to join, essentially. So, so I could do that, is what you're saying. Yeah, you could if you have the, uh, yeah, if you've got a couple quid lying around. Luke Engines, lol. <laughs> uh, it does mean that the Honda brand is returning to uh, Red Bull, at least in 2023 as well. There, That's also happening. It sort of happened already. It did happen it towards really, the end of last season. It replaced the HRC branding with Honda, but mm-hmm. it's going to be a bit more predominant now, I guess. Yeah, uh, it's also on the name of the of the uh, of the entry. I think it's Red Bull, Honda, RBPT. Yeah, Honda or something like that. Yeah, so it's, it's I, in the name. Name, name, name. I also need to correct myself. That Alpine thing I sent you about the Alpine BWT entry was changed, so it is still BWT Alpine. Obviously the pink is not going anywhere yet. The pink is not going anywhere yet. Uh, it comes at an interesting time, though, Honda, uh, this whole Honda thing, because there was a story on motorsport.com by uh, Robert Chinchero. Uh, That's K- not your name. Kikero? It's co-authored by Jonathan Noble. So uh, about okay. Ford linked to an F1 return with Red Bull, which is a surprise. Uh, but Very out of the blue. Yeah. Really? Obviously, their last involvement was really... Uh, sorry. Um their last involvement in F1, of course, was with the Jaguar brand, which obviously became Red Bull. Uh, yes. And before that, of course, they were more involved. Obviously, Ford owned Stewart? Jaguar. It was Stewart they provided the engines for. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely correct. I am insane. Honestly, sign me up to a team principal role now. As well as that, they also p- p- uh, provided badged Cosworth engines to Jordan in 03 and 04 as well. Yeah, I was going to say Cosworth, yeah. Yeah. But for Ford, it says, uh, while there's not, there's not seem to be eagerness for it to get involved in funding a full works team or producing its own power units, sources, su- sources suggest that one avenue being explored is a tie-up with the Red Bull team. Red Bull has committed to producing its own power unit from 2026, and its current partnership with Honda runs until the end of 2025. It has been clear, however, that it is open to interest from other manufacturers who may want to tie up with it, uh, either as a badging exercise or to offer some technical assistance. Uh, Hor- uh, this is, and this is what uh, I know Marco talked about this after the the Porsche thing fell through as well um, mm. do, 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 do. so obviously Red Bull had advance, had advanced talks for uh, with Porsche this year uh, discussions collapsed at the 11th hour because of fears the team would lose its full independence uh, next sources revealed that four exploring options with Red Bull with the two companies having already worked together in WRC uh, it yeah. suggested that Ford's preferred route is very much di- is very different from Porsche, which wanted more control of the Red Bull team as well as ownership of shares. Instead, Ford has no interest in formal ownership of the operation and is believed to be happy to leave Red Bull in charge of technical development of the power unit, although there would be the possibility for it to offer assistance in any area of expertise it has. Instead, its involvement would more be about marketing and brand presence with it benefiting from an involvement in F1 and Red Bull gaining from the added kudos of a tie-up with a global player like Ford. Yeah, makes sense. So, an interesting kind of report. We'll see if anything happens of it, but, yeah. Red Bull... It, may, it really does make sense for them. Yeah. Like, you know, Red Bull involves... Like, they're going to get somebody on board. They're gonna, someone's going to get their name attached to this thing. Has to, yeah. I don't, I don't see how they don't. Red Bull is the, the biggest team in... F1 that's not a manufacturer. Yeah. Essentially. So for someone, a big 
like sports presence manufacturer to get in there would be insane. Like you say, Porsche, 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 <laughs> Porsche Ford. Anyone it. really? Hyundai. You never know. It, yeah. it's all over the place, isn't it? And of course, obviously, Honda is obviously always on the table. If if none of those benefit it, but it's it's very clear that it's you know Rebel made it very clear that this is their op- engine operation. They you know they're they're doing this. Whether so, the Honda thing could complicate things in that regard because Rebel decides to go yeah. down this path. Ford would this would be perfect, really. Like in terms of it, literally would because the marketing that they can gain from this is huge. Everyone taps into so many different markets, mm-hmm. so many different markets, and especially if we go to Africa. That's probably I want to see where the Fords are probably predominantly sold the least, but probably wrong. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be sure. But it's, I could be wrong. But yeah, that, it, that it just I say it just opens up so many. It's perfect. Red Bull, like Red Bull keep control of their team. They don't have to worry about any of that. They're left alone to do whatever the hell they need they want with the engine, which is fine. They don't need someone overseeing them because they're 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 doing this on their own, uh, and they get brand and commercial stuff out of it. I think it's a perfect tie up. I really do. Yeah. Uh, makes it'll make sense for Honda. I think Honda, if they do go back to Honda, it'd be interesting to see how they how the whole thing is done because like, mm. the base operation basically switched to Milton Keynes. Yeah, uh, but yeah, should be very interesting uh, with that. Uh, now let's talk some other bits and bobs. We'll come to some, talk some junior formulas here for a second. Uh, during the week, this actually was during the, the last week. Uh, the five teams for the F1 Academy, the all female uh, junior series, now in F1's pyramid. Uh, junior pyramid has uh, were announced and they were mostly as we expected them to be uh, they're good teams these are good teams that it's art Tables. art campos carlin mp motorsport and prema so top teams teams that have you know supplied f1 talent uh, from f3 and f2 and all that so uh, campos is an interesting one i thought maybe high tech would get involved here but um, mm. we kind of thought that it definitely art and definitely prema yeah, yeah, they're them two, one hundred percent. So these are five good teams that will be of, of you know excellent value for any female driver that is going to be joining this academy series. Great teams, obviously the ones you want to really end up by would say are ART and Prema. Yeah, Carlin's not too bad either. Um, All of these are huge presences across the junior forms, by the way. They're in everything. Yeah, not just F two and F three. You you go to one random championship, and I guarantee you'll find at least one of these names there, at least in some form of of way. Oh yeah, be there. Prima are everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. They're, they're, they're in a Jones race now, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. a big win. That's a big win for the uh, F1 Academy to get these uh, to get these uh, teams in. Very interested to see how all this plays out with that. Really am. There is a piece written on December first on RaceFans.net from Ida Wood. Uh, we referenced this piece loosely, but it came a week or so after we were talking about the we were talking about the academy in more detail. Uh, it talks about the the new F two car in twenty twenty four. The headline is F one will make sure a twenty twenty four car is quote not going to be an issue for female drivers end quote. So yes. there's there's comments here that I think are good for you to have on on record here. Um, so I'm going to read bits of this uh, of this piece from uh, from Ida Wood, uh, FIA President Mohammed Ben Suleim told media last month that future junior single-seaters, quote, had to accommodate, end quote, for physical differences between men and women. Um, Bruno Michel, who is the uh, CEO for F2 and F3, told media, including race fans, work is already underway with FIA technical figures to meet that goal. And 
he's Bruno Michel said, we are taking that very seriously, of course, especially because it's coming from Ben Suliem. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I haven't heard him refer like it's always just you just do uh, you just, you just, it's always just Mohammed Ben Suliem, but you just you just said Ben Suliem. So um, I thought that was interesting. Uh, some female drivers have described F1 cars as being easier to handle than the machines used in support series because the top flight machines have power steering. This is of uh, of course we've mentioned that as well and. Uh, other female drivers have mentioned that like Tatiana Calderon and uh, Jamie Chadwick as well uh, W Series champion Jamie Chadwick has voiced concerns about the physicality of high level single seer single seer cars I found it difficult to use a standard steering wheel rack in Formula Regional whenever a W Series uh, lighter one was not in place to the point where it had quote scared me off of ever struggling physically in a car end quote but Michelle is now, quote, working very closely with the FIA, end quote, on the next cars for F2 and for Formula 3, the latter due in 2025, and says power steering, of course, is something we're looking into uh, if it can be viably incorporated while meeting other design targets. There are no women among the current roster of drivers F2 uh, calls upon the driver's development car and would likely be responsible for the first on-track testing of the new, new upcoming design. Uh, so there's more Michelle. Uh we will see what we have to do in regards of the conclusions that we will make on this new car. We know that we need to make sure that it's not going to be an issue for female drivers, for sure. That's the whole idea of what we're doing. But on the other end, we don't want to complexify the car if we don't need to do it. So it's always something, it's a tricky one. But we'll make the right decision. And as I said, we'll make the right decision with the FIA. Yes. Um, he also says, uh, cost will influence whether F2 deems power steering suitable to add to its cars. Other elements of the car design are a priority for this series operating company, Formula Motorsport Limited, uh, to ensure teams will want to pur- purchase the package and can run it at a sustainable cost level. There's also an onus on maintaining this series' relevance to modern Formula 1 cars. Uh, it's always what we're trying to do because we used to develop one car every three years and for economic reasons, we, we developed this one, for instance, for six years. So it's quite a dated car. Now, what are you expecting from a car after the F2 level? Uh, so, because, like, and there's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff in this, but uh, there's a lot, there's a lot more, there's a lot more that Bruno Michelle talks about costs and all that. But just the main point we want to talk about, like we talked about power steering, uh, that the female drivers struggle with to adapt to the F2 and F3 cars compared to obviously their male competitors. Uh, but it's good to see that F2 and F3 and the FIA are working together to make sure this isn't as much of an issue going forward so we don't have situations where you know a female driver gets into f2 and f3 and they struggle to adapt to the car and then that might put teams off you know potentially getting another female driver in in the near future because the performance levels weren't what they were hoping from the ones that they decide to you know give the opportunity to yeah literally spot on with that it's just all about adaptability isn't it and just adapting for the future so i'm glad this is at least being considered anyway it should easily come into into place i think it's quite mm-hmm. easy quite an easy fix really yeah so we'll see what happens with the cost side of things but bruno michelle talked a lot about that big uh, bruno uh speaking of car development and changes two two other things uh one is i'm 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 delighted uh peace ed straw the race f1's plans for lighter and shorter cars in 2026 thank Fuck. I please, this yeah. has to go ahead. Oh, uh, I'll read out uh, 
a bit of this. Uh, F1's 2026 cars are set to be lighter and quite a lot shorter, according to the FIA's head of single-seater technical matters, Nicholas Tombasis, with the size reduction creating the opportunity to reduce the mass. The FIA laid out its key objectives for the 2026 chassis regulations, which will be introduced. Of course, these were actually delayed, weren't they? Uh, it 25, wasn't it? Um, mm. Which will be introduced alongside the next generation power units in April. Uh, among these targets are intentions to reduce car dimensions and reduce or contain car mass. So speaking in an interview recorded for an upcoming episode of the Race F1 Tech podcast, uh, Tombasa said it will be possible to deliver on these uh, on these objectives. This is primarily because a reduction in car dimensions could create a weight-saving opportunity as much as 35 kilograms. So this is what Tombasa said. It is realistic to make them a bit lighter. Not a massive amount. We have to consider that the difference in weight since 2000, say 20 years ago or so, is about 200 kilograms, which is a massive number. And out of those 200 kilograms, about 100 of that comes from the power unit, so from the electrical parts, batteries, turbos, and so on. That is a big weight increase. But it is necessary to keep F1 relevant to the directions of society. While a petrol head would like a V10, and end of story, we know that we have to go in a, we have to, we, we know we have to go in a direction uh, we've gone. So that counts for about half of the weight increase. About 50 kilograms odd are for safety. So halos, much stronger chassis, bigger protections, and so on and so forth. So again, nobody would want to compromise that. Then there's the opportunity. And so, there. Then there's where the opportunity is. And there's about 15, 20 kilograms because of the more complex systems on the cars. And there's about 30, 35 kilograms on car dimensions. So cars being much longer and wider, bigger tires and so on. And we believe in the car dimensions, there lies an opportunity. We would want 2026 cars to be quite a lot shorter and probably maybe a bit narrower as well. And all of that is going to contain the weight increase. On the other side, there's a battery increase because we're going more electrical, which is adding a bit of weight. So the net effect, I hope, is going to be a bit lighter, but not a massive amount. Uh, and Ed Straw continues to write, the, F1, the weight of F1 cars has risen dramatically in the recent years. In 2009, for the final race of the in-race refueling, the minimum weight was 605 kilograms, which is only a 5 kilogram increase compared to the start of the century. That rose to 642 kilograms by 2013, the last year of F1's change, uh, last year before F1's change, 1.6 uh, V6 turbos. For 2022, ground effect regulations, uh, the, the minimum weight increase, increase is 790 kilograms, then was raised by 8 kilograms to 7.98 on the eve of the season. This drops to 7.96 for 2023. Now, this is a big one. Like, the weight stuff, whatever. The one, What we're interested in most is the car dimensions here, which is, here we go. Currently, F1 cars are a maximum width of 2,000 millimetres. This was increased from 1,800 millimetres in 2017, with the previous width regulations in place from 1998 to, to, to uh, 2016. Their length has also grown, with cars well under... 5 metres long 20 years ago, but well over that now, although this year's regulations stipulate a maximum wheelbase of 3,600 millimetres. Increase of weight means that cars have progressively become lazier in handling behaviour over the years. While many celebrate the V10 era for the sound of the engine, the big visual difference is actually the sharpness of the cars and the rate which they load up uh, to turn in. Today's cars are not that easier to drive, but they do look less spectacular as a result. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, the problem. The problem with the the thing that really hit this home for me, like, and you you actually may have seen it already, very recently with Pierre Gasly going to Alpine. They have that room. I think it's actually the reception, isn't it? Where they have the most recent car and mm. one of Alonso's uh, winning cars, the either the 05 or 06 Renault, 
and seeing them together is almost scary, the difference of how much longer it is and how much wider it is. It's, it's like putting it against a, a matchbox car. It's, it's yeah. ridiculous how small they are. So this reduction in not only size, uh, not only length, but uh, width as well, has made the cars harder to race. Like a place like Monaco are a lot tighter results. Uh, just... It's harder to go for moves because you've got to squeeze a flipping two meter wide car in essentially, and they're flipping f- over five meters long. It's they're not elegant machines at times, as much as they you know they obviously they fly through corners, but they're at low speed. They're not they're not uh, lazy. Is a good way to put it. To be fair, yeah, it really is. Especially with these regs as well. Like heck, we saw in testing how much lazier they got with, with the, at low speed as well. So I'm absolutely all for anything to get these cars, you know, slimmer and narrower so mm. and the fact that nicholas tombasis is discussing this now is great i think they'll do this because everyone no one's happy with the weight of the cars in f1 and he, kind of you know tombasis outlined where things couldn't change so batteries you know safety protection all that fine that's i think everyone accepts that but we can absolutely save some weight reducing the uh, the width of the cars and the length of the cars and that solves so many issues in in, in one as well so it's a, I think it's a no-brainer. I think, and the fact the FIA already is discussing it, I think it will happen, and it, I'm delighted it would happen. Same. So fantastic stuff for that. Uh, last but not least, uh, <sighs> yes, more FIA stuff reveals more about the F1's wet weather wheel art plans. Sigh. Uh, uh, the fact that they're giving more credence to this shit is really annoying me. But I, oh, it's so stupid. The Anyways, fact we're giving it the time of the days is annoying. Well, I'm going to hammer home <laughs> anything I can to just slander Pirelli. So this is from Jonathan Noble on motorsport.com. Um, obviously, lack of visibility is the re- main reason this is coming up for the Japanese Grand Prix, Belgian Grand Prix more so as well. Uh, work is already underway to evaluate the idea of wheel arches, and it is hoped that the prototype versions of the arches could be ready to raise as early as the second half of next season, although 2024 is much more likely. The evaluation of the idea has prompted some intrigue about how exactly things could work if the trial proves successful. Now, the FIA single senior direct- technical director, Nicholas Tombasis, has explained some of the background to the idea and why, uh, and why the wheel arches would only be brought into play if the weather was extremely bad. He said, uh, we only think it's going to be something that gets used a couple of occasions a year, maybe three, that sort of thing. We don't want it to be every time there's a drop of rain, then suddenly you have to fit these things. Uh, that's what Tombasa said anyway. Obviously, the whole idea of this is obviously to prevent... Uh, he said, a spa in 2021 let, still left scars on the sport because it was very unfortunate circumstances. It would have been 10 times worse, if uh, I think, if we had gone all the way to Japan and had to pack up and come back. We really need to avoid that. We have so many people watching, spectators paying tickets, teams traveling all over the world, and then to suddenly say we can't race is not very responsible of us. <sighs> not very responsible of us. Fucking you tired could, 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 Yeah, could, could Pirelli, uh, you know, adopt the same stance? On this, yes, yeah. I think it will bring the raceable conditions from what it is, maybe currently intermediate tires. You almost never race with wet tires. I think it will bring it into the, into the wet tire territory. Uh, FIA has already begun conducting some computer simulations of the benefits of the wheel arches, but said it was no easy feat to evaluate visibility was impacted by spray thrown up from the floor rather than the tires. Uh, you talked about the CFD simulations and that, so um, oh, just I can't just more more just more Night. more facilitating of Pirelli shithousery to produce tires uh, or, in, yeah, or yeah, inability yeah, yeah. to produce tires just. Shambolic oh, stuff. By the way, if you've seen the, the any of the clips you've seen of Ferrari at Fiorano, they're they're in the West. They're literally testing the new Pirelli wet weather tires. 
that's that's what those are um, for 2023. Mm. Yeah, you see the city of sprinklers go up at Fiorano and um, yeah, oh, it's so stupid. Just make tires that work. It's not hard. Um, it's only rubber at the end of the day. <laughs> I am glad that they Tombasa said that they wouldn't fit these every single time there's a drop of rain. Uh, so yeah. it. No, that will cushion the blow somewhat if it's just a thing. Like if it's if it's wet weather, if it's a red flag, like, we're wasting time yeah. anyway. If you fit these things, whatever. I think it's stupid, but I think the it's problem stupid, is but Pirelli's. But. It is. It is. I completely agree. I, I, if it's a short-term solution, well, so we're not sitting there for three hours waiting, then I'm I'm, I'm okay with it in the extreme cases. Yeah. I want to see Pirelli do more work. I know they're doing some testing stuff. We've we've we've, we've talked about their testing plan over the the winter and January and such. And they're doing stuff with the Algarve. They're doing things with uh, Tauri. Uh, I think Aston Martin have a test as well. I think Mercedes do too. Red Bull I think have one or two as well. I think I uh, no five, I think five teams decide they weren't bothering to reply to the email. <laughs> so good. Uh, yeah, don't give them the yeah, don't give them the, don't uh, give them the time, time of day. But Welcome. yeah. So yeah, I, look, I'd I'd hope Prey are doing as much work, if not more, than what the FAA are trying to facilitate for their shitness. Yeah, it's um, <sighs> it's just so so. Very very more. silly, but uh, that was it. That's 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 the end of the road for all the stuff that happened in the week and the things we were going to talk, talk about. about next week? I don't know. <laughs> it could be a very quiet week, but uh, it gives us a freedom to, uh, I guess it will give us freedom to see, maybe, maybe by uh, the time we record next, we uh, might have an appointment for Williams. Maybe. Maybe. It's, it's a bit of a weird week, isn't it? It doesn't feel like it's any, this time next week of a Christmas day for us. I know. I know. It's... It really doesn't feel like it. It's snowing here though, by the way. To be honest, I haven't looked outside yet. My lights are off, and yes, the, the tequila is still in full of words. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, look, uh, a bit of a struggle this one. Uh, but I struggle with reading stuff anyway. I, I, I find it hard to slow down at times. So, um, yeah, I struggle with words. Words are hard. Words are hard, man. Words it's not anything that's hard. <laughs> well, brilliant. According to Pirelli, anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, we, you need the C1, sir. I think the the, the, the news, the last, this year's C1, becoming the C0. Mm. Yes. Oh, dear. Any closing thoughts on anything that we talked about? Um, I would like to see John Todd at Williams. So I'm just trying to think. I'm just trying to put random names in so I look impressive when they get announced next week. <laughs> That's a thing. Like prediction, I, actually, a prediction for who ends up at Williams. Bloody yeah, hell! Just out of the blue, just so we can sort of look <sighs> back and think, yeah, you look like a right twat. The thing is, I we've like I would. I just don't. I I don't have a clue where like what they'll do. Like who's available for a start, and what they, and what they might. This this is the thing. Who are they, who are they going to get? Who's who's <laughs> recently out? Like in the last five years of team principal, other than Cyril, who's obviously somewhere else. Eric, it's Eric Boulier. Um, that would be the shittest appointment of all time. You would have been better off keeping juiced. <laughs> you really would have. Uh, fucking Boulier goes from F1 team principal to managing the French Grand Prix. Oh, fucking says it all. Which which is dropped off the F1 calendar as well. Yeah, it literally says it all. Because uh, like because like, obviously nothing's changed at Mercedes. Nothing has changed at uh, Red Bull, Ferrari, and nothing's going to happen there. Uh, Alpine, Alpine, Alpine. Yes, yeah, Cyril's off in Hyundai now. Uh, McLaren, it was Eric Bouley before. Martin Bukowski. Uh, before uh, Andreas Seidel. Budkowski. 
or whatever his name was. The guy that was in yeah, charge. Yeah, yeah, of... yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, oh fucking no. I don't know. Uh, Alfa Romeo. Who was it? Who was Alfa Romeo beforehand? Yeah. Manisha Carlton Bond. Yeah, that that will be happening. Uh, well, other teams, other teams. France Toss is not going anywhere. Uh, Mike Crack is just in. Oh, so is Almar Safnair. Uh, Aston Martin. Who was Aston Martin beforehand? Hotmar. Oh yeah. Who's before? Oh, it's VJ Malia. Yeah. Uh, you see what I mean? Like it's not. There's nowhere grey. It's not grey. It's going to have to be someone from the junior formula. Either it? a junior formula or someone leaves from other. Like if Martin, Martin Whitmarsh decides he wants to get back in the game, leaves Aston Martin and goes oh. to uh, Williams. Why would he do that? <laughs> he could. He could be a team principal himself. American. I, I want to say he's going to be an American. I really do. I just expect that kind of thing. I think someone that comes in brute force. Um, Scott Speed. Scott Speed. Yeah, he'll, he'll employ his eye racing tactics on, on in real life. I think. Uh, I'm gonna. I, I will say. I think it's gonna be an outside F1 hire. Yeah, yeah. I think it has. To be. Which I know didn't. Which I know. I know it was what they just did, but the options are so poor in F1, I think, in terms of, like, no one's just going, like, that's the thing, like, everyone's just kind of settled now where they are. I don't, it's, I don't know who's leaving their post, unless it's, like, someone, you know, that's dying for an opportunity to manage and get to that like, get a chance, but, you know, uh, would you, you'd rather be sporting director or whatever at Ferrari than team principal at Williams, probably. I don't know, it might, it might feel dumb by it. it didn't even get considered for the team principal role, you don't know, do you? Some people get quite very salty about that kind of thing. Some people do. Maybe some of them are McLaren. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. I've no good guesses. I I really don't. It's it's it, it's a bad situation. I would have just stood pat with with Yost. Get rid of Demay. Oh, he he on fair enough. You, you, so you can't get rid of Demay and not give Capito at the same time. That's gonna yeah. You can't. You, you resign over that. That's stuff. That's yeah. stuff people resign over. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the, hey heck who even knows? Maybe that was part of it. Who knows? Uh, I've no good predictions. I think outside F one somewhere, but I've no yeah, idea where. No, 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 that, that, that's what I was gonna say. Has to be outside of F one. Yeah, uh, yeah. We'll see. They need to get their shit together pretty quickly. Well, whilst we're on the topic of predictions, World sure, Cup final. World Cup final. Uh, I'm gonna say. Uh, I think France will do it. I want Argentina to win. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Same boat completely. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh. I'll do, I think. I think that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. We squeezed a lot into that hour and just under 40. So, yeah, happy days. Uh, I was wonder, I was worried we'd have to do that in uh, two parts, essentially. But no, we kind of flew through it. We, we've smashed it. Uh, so, thank you for bearing with us. Uh, I would have to say we're probably... Both of us are probably not... Well, certainly, I am not on my... Uh, not in peak condition peak podcasting condition shall we say but i've yet to have anything to eat today so and i've got a massive roast dinner waiting for me in about 15 minutes oh. and it, it's going to go down an absolute treat i bet i bet uh we will have one more podcast i think uh yeah that, that this will be it that that will be it for the year i think yeah so this is the last podcast for christmas so if you celebrate christmas merry christmas uh for whatever whatever it is you're Happy doing Monica, whatever you celebrate yeah. yeah whatever you celebrate um enjoy it enjoy the the festive season uh any time off you might have as well always enjoy that uh, i'm sure we'll have some christmas stories when we get back as well uh actually oh, i've got a few already actually <laughs> we won't for next week because we're uh, we're gonna we're gonna pre-record a podcast because sundays usually are a recording day but sure <laughs> I it's christmas day <laughs> yeah so uh i think we're 
we've got we'll, we'll have something on the mo- uh, yeah, Monday the or Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, I reckon so. Depending on the on your availability, because obviously you do all the shenanigans behind the scenes. I, I'm just the pretty pretty pace. <laughs> so the turns up. That'll be out on Monday, but we'll record it prior to Christmas. So your next your actual post Christmas podcast will be the week. Uh, it'll be oh god, will it be the new year? Yeah, it will that, be. Won't it? That's what I was going to say. The, the one after the Boxing Day is is going to be the last one. The next the one. Sun, be... New Year's Sunday, or sorry, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve is Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The the first of the year, mad. Yeah, mad. But uh, we'll be we'll be back with you before that, anyways. But uh, yes, Merry Christmas and whatever you celebrate. And enjoy, enjoy it, and we shall see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>